This episode is brought to you by Hippo Manager. Hippo Manager is a cloud-based veterinary practice management software that saves you time and integrates with your favorite tools. Visit hippomanager.com to sign up for a demo and get a free trial. When they spoke to me and I could see that this was gonna be something that veterinary medicine takes on, and I wanted to be a part of that journey to bring it to other people and to make veterinary medicine more about our patients. From the Texas Veterinary Medical Association in Austin, Texas, this is Veterinary Vitals, a show that features open and honest conversations with veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein, Media Coordinator for TVMA. When you think of emergency veterinary medicine, does the image of placing the pet on the floor for an exam come to mind? or having the client stay with their pet the whole time, even in the operating room? Most likely not, but that's exactly the approach Dr. David Bessler, the founder and CEO of Veterinary Emergency Group, VEG for short, implements into his 13 hospitals. He's revolutionizing ER veterinary medicine. And this movement resonated with Dr. Bethany Weinheimer, a 2018 graduate of Texas A&M University College of Veterinary Medicine. She was on the 19th episode of the podcast. She spoke about navigating the profession as a recent graduate. She started working at VEG the beginning of April, and she loves it. So why did Dr. Bessler establish VEG and make it a priority to do things differently for most other emergency veterinary medicine hospitals? Here he is. I was really looking to just own my own emergency business so that I could do emergency the way that I thought uh, it could be done that's never been done before. And uh, brought with me a lot of people, veterinarians that I've worked with over the years before that. And together we just tried new, crazy, innovative stuff and came up with an amazing model that resonated really well with pet owners, um, who we call customers. If we say customers instead of clients, some people think that's weird, but that's what we do. And uh, our veggies, who our, are our employees, and it, it really resonated well with everybody. And so we just grew and grew from there and um, continue to just innovate and find, throw, throwing away everything that existed before to just do things a new way. Okay, so before we go more into that, um, I want to talk to, her, talk to Dr. Weinheimer about um, when she got offered this position. And I know you were really excited. Um, so can you tell me about that process or what it felt like to receive the offer? So yeah, of course I can talk through that. I wasn't necessarily looking for a new job when I was contacted um, by Dr. Bessler. I actually was kind of taken by surprise, but then I was just so attracted to the culture, the innovation that they were bringing to emergency medicine that it almost like lit a spark in me. And it, it was like, this is a group of you know, a hundred Bethany's, like I have to be with people like this, you know, um, just the way that they were, you know, taking the experience and totally making about the pet and making it about our customers and making sure that they're having the best experience they can. It's almost like putting our needs or our wants as emergency doctors off to the side to make sure they get the best. And that was just awe-inspiring to me. So I think that was the main reason that I took the job. I still really adore the clinic that I worked for before. Uh, so there was a lot of feelings and emotion into actually making that decision. 
But ultimately, I took the job because of the innovation, the culture, the way that people treated one another. And then again, just being a part of the first hospital that's coming to Texas, acting and treating people like this. It's just, I can see the future with when they spoke to me and I could see that this was going to be something that veterinary medicine takes on. And I wanted to be a part of that journey to bring it to other people and to make veterinary medicine more about our patients. So Dr. Bessler, what does it feel like to be the founder of something that people are just so excited about? Um, Honestly, I'm a little bit uh, to some degree bewildered and humbled because we, we really put just one foot in front of the other in what we thought was the right direction because we had a really good vision of um, giving people, treating people and pets the way they want. And we just put one foot in front of the other. Actually, it was Anna Foster who used that, that metaphor. Dr. Anna Foster works on the business development team at Veg. I spoke with her and her colleague, Dr. Nicole Bertolini, in April. Their episode is called COVID-19, Day in the Life of Drs. Nicole Bertolini and Anna Foster. Um, along the way, and suddenly... You know, before I knew it, we had built this amazing business that that was amazing to a lot of people and uh, and just did its job. So I'm surprised every day by how well it's taken off and uh, honored, honestly, to have found myself in the middle of uh, such an exciting, innovative business in the veterinary world. It's almost like the excitement of like Google and Facebook and Apple, but here in our very own emergency industry. Yeah. Sounds like you guys have the feel of like a startup or something. I hope that never goes away. Yeah. So let's talk about what makes it unique, revolutionary. You know, you're using these words. What about it makes it those things? Yeah. So step one, when an owner comes in, well, I guess let's rewind even prior to step one. So say you're in the event of an emergency or what you perceive to be an emergency at home. Um, you go ahead and call veg and you're actually able to speak with a doctor to basically field all your medical questions. And that's something that at majority of emergency hospitals, the receptionist or technician is answering those types of phone calls here at veg. We're able to actually take those calls personally and actually be able to either calm fears and let people know they can wait until tomorrow or confirm their fears and uh, concerns and tell them that we need to do an exam in order to further assess the patient and, you know, potentially do more diagnostics. So that's before step one. And then once you show up at our doorstep, you know, uh, you're able to come right in. We let you come to the treatment area with the pets. So you're able to be there with the experience. Oh, sorry. Someone just knocked on my door. Ziba, it's okay, baby. She's my guard dog. I live by myself. The life of a veterinarian. Yeah, come here. Yeah. It's okay. Come down. <laughs> so, so you said the step one, now step two, you were talking about uh, someone coming to the clinic. When you actually arrive at the building, you're able to come back to the treatment area with your pet and be there for their experience. You're allowed to watch ultrasounds. If you'd like to be present for a blood draw, you're able to be there through that experience. Right now during the COVID, um, we are doing things a little bit differently, but just the innovation in general, this is all a big aspect as to what drew myself and other people like Dr. Foster to this company. Because that's also referring back to that section where I talked about, you know, truly putting 
the client first and truly putting our pets first, you know, because they're less nervous when they're, you know, with their parents and with their owners. And also that helps us do our job better too, because the owners are able to be a part of that experience and they're able to see what we talk about when we go through an ultrasound or they're able to see how long it takes for us to do the blood work or what it's like to send off an x-ray. So they're a part of that whole process. And I think that really brings them comfort to know that they're in good hands with people that, you know, are good at emergency medicine and know what they're, you know, know what they're doing and have these resources to provide the best medical care possible. And other things that we do differently. um, Let's see. So we always try and find a way to say yes, (laughs) as Bessler likes to say. So, you know, if owners want to FaceTime their pet at night, or if they'd like to, you know, sleep next to their kennel throughout the night to make sure that everything's going well, they're able to do those things. Um, So it's just like a whole different process of truly putting others first. And I think that that selfless service is what gives back to our patients and helps them heal and um, restore restore them back to their, their normal happy selves so we can get them home with their families. Yeah, I think uh, Bethany covered a lot of it really well. What I'll add to it is um, it's the approach behind a lot of those things are the external. So calling and being able to speak with a doctor every time. Um, when you come in, not getting a clipboard to fill out, just going straight to the back. Being able to stay with your pet through their entire visit, hospitalization, whatever it is. Those things stand out for people because they're so different. But uh, what's amazing is it's the uh, thought process and I would say uh, intentions behind those things that really make us different. Uh, And so you may find a hospital here or there that tries to do some of those things sometimes, but you're only going to find all of those things together happening all of the time at VEG because of our approach. As an example, during COVID, when we're now not allowing our customers into our buildings, the whole notion of being able to stay with your pet goes out the window. That's very difficult. Yet what our veggies have come up with on their own is if we can't bring bring people to the back, then instead we bring the back to people. And what we've done is at all our hospitals moved our entire treatment area into our lobby uh, where we have big glass windows facing the outside so that people can stand on the other side of the glass and still see everything that we're doing. We just communicate with them via phone. And you'll never get to that place of, of innovation for the customer's benefit unless the personality behind behind all of those actions is there in terms of trying to um, please customers and, tr- and provide a high level of customer service. And then the other thing I'll say is that bringing, breaking down walls literally and bringing people together for the experience of emergency medicine, meaning the customers are there and the care providers, the veterinarians and veterinary technicians, they're all there together. What that does is provide this sort of circle of appreciation and fulfillment so that the customers have an amazing experience because they can see everything that they're paying for and the value that they're paying for. And then they have the opportunity to say thank you and show their appreciation directly to the people that are providing it, the technicians who are schlepping around their dogs um, and cleaning them up and putting in catheters in tiny legs and tiny veins. And because they can thank them, the technicians and veterinarians now feel that appreciation and they work for thank yous. So there's that full circle of fulfillment. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like what you've created is based off of um, needs that perhaps clients have, or customers, as you call them, um, have expressed in the past. I'm just curious, how 
did you realize, was there like a moment in your life and your career where you thought we need to do this differently? We need to provide ER differently. How did this idea come about? Yeah. One foot in front of the other, but like the, the, the thing, the, the initial, um, I would say impetus behind any of these ideas. We like to say that we provide emergency the way dog intended. Um, the idea there being there's this natural way of providing emergency care, which is, for example, you come into a hospital with an emergency holding your pet. Taking somebody's pet out of their arms is an unnatural thing. Uh, and so why would you do that? Making somebody, you know, separating people from their pets is an unnatural thing that didn't exist before you made it happen. Um, we put, you know, when you put a pet up on an exam table, on a metal exam table, and they're running in place, you know, um, trying to get their grip, that's an unnatural thing. Pets live on the floor. And so we sit on the floor because that's where our pets live. And then only later when we need to go up to an exam table do we do that. We start with what's natural. You're with your pet, you should stay with your pet. You're holding your pet, you should continue holding your pet. You came to see a doctor, you should see a doctor. You called to speak with a doctor, you should speak with a doctor. All those things are very natural. In reality, we didn't come up with anything. We just took away everything else that's been put up that's unnatural. Mm. That's interesting. Um, and I was curious, how are you able to make sure that a doctor always answers the phone? We yell at them until they do, right, <laughs> Bethany? Not quite. <laughs> I, I think, honestly, we, uh, we believe in decentralized leadership. We believe in servant leadership and inspiration. And so the way we get the doctors to answer all of the, the, all of the questions is by showing them the value behind it. And then they do what feels great. Our doctors will never go back to the old way, even if they're put back in another, in another place. So Dr. Weinheimer, what sort of feedback have you received from customers? It's been phenomenal so far. I'm super excited when the coronavirus um, quarantining safeties that are put in place now start to dissolve because I'm excited to see what it's like to have owners in our treatment areas and to really live like um, Dr. Bessler said, I'm still new to the company. So I haven't actually lived out some of these practices yet in my day-to-day -day work life. So I'm super excited about that, you know, venture moving forward. As of now, we're still getting amazing reviews. Um, let's see. I worked overnight on Tuesday over there and the owners were not able to pick up a cat that I had unblocked. And so I drove it to its regular veterinarian and met the regular veterinarian and face to face. And he was just, you know, blown out of the water that, you know, we would take the time to do that for our patients because that's very rare in emergency medicine to have a doctor hand delivering a patient to a day practice. Um, so it, it just built like such a huge bridge. And obviously the owners were super thankful because they weren't able to be there at a time that we closed. And it was just an amazing feeling also to be able to help out your patient and know that, you know, we've provided care that's going to be lasting. And then we've also built this relationship with our local businesses in order to continue helping and facilitating that bond between patient and uh, customers and then also their regular vets as well. Um, and what about you, Dr. Bessler? What have you heard from client customers? <laughs> so I can tell you the numbers behind what Bethany is saying. Um, we use a benchmarked uh, customer survey uh, system, and it's benchmarked against many other veterinary emergency and specialty hospitals. And we literally have the highest scores in the industry. 
So a net promoter score, most industries use a net promoter score, um, which is whenever you answer the question of how likely are you to recommend us to a friend uh, mm -hmm. on a survey, th the answers to those go into what's called the net promoter score, NPS. And our NPS for, for veg is 93%. It's the highest in the industry. The next runner up is like 91%. And the average in the industry is only about 75%, something like that. Um, so we literally have the highest scores. We can also see our scores benchmarked against the people that have the highest net promoter scores and on a, on a bunch of different things like value received for the price paid, um, the quality and the answers that you get from doctors, the way you're treated, and we're many percentage points above even you know, the top. So I know in, in numbers, but uh, in terms of words, we see things like one of my favorites was one of our uh, general practice veterinarians who, uh, in the area who's been working uh, alongside us. There are partners. We treat patients together in concert with them. He said to us that there's nothing that he wants more than for his daughter to grow up and work for Veg. And she does. She actually volunteers now while she's an undergraduate. And that's probably the biggest compliment that, that, that I could get from, from a general practice uh, veterinarian. And then from customers, we hear that we've heard people say that they think their pets are actually excited to come to us, which is totally bizarre and weird. And I don't wish it upon any pet to need to come to us. But I yeah. think that it's amazing when your customers can understand your value proposition. It's another amazing thing when the pets understand your value proposition. <laughs> I think not putting them up on exam tables shows that. I think they can perceive their parents' comfort when they're there. They can perceive, they see them smiling and not crying. They see them thankful and not fearful. And I think pets actually pick up on that. So I think our clients and our patients both um, really enjoy veg and we see it in our Google review ratings. They're you know, 4.5 to 4.8 stars uh, on average. Our Yelp reviews are great. And um, all of our surveys, um, like I said, you know, 93% of people would recommend this to their friends. That's wonderful. Um, so why do you think it is that veterinarians have always put the animals up on the exam tables instead of putting them on the ground? Like that does make sense. Um, it sounds less ergonomic for a human. <laughs> like, <laughs> But, it is, you know, bending over backwards, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think classically medicine in general, the human medicine world uh, included, uh, has really put medicine first and uh, efficiency and quality second and third and customer experience fourth. And then I would say in the 80s, when the United States was learning about customer service and customer experience, it was layered on top of a business. I used to go into a hardware store and they would say, what do you want? What are you looking for? Um, then in the 80s, it became, how can I help you? Mm. And, but customer service was always layered on top in veterinary medicine. Like good customer service was show your people an estimate, make sure they have coffee available. Um, you know, uh, be polite, look at, make, you know, make eye contact. It's just layered on top, but the medicine and everything was separate. And I think what we realized is that um, we have a unified view of the emergency experience. There's no way to treat a pet in isolation from its, uh, from its owner, from the, its family. Um, and we also see that there's really no way for the, for the pet owner, the pet, and the doctor to be considered separately. They're all one unit that work together holistically. Uh, and 
and I, I think that's why I, I just think putting a pet up on an exam table is the first thing that you do is really inconsiderate to the pet, literally just not taking into consideration the pet's feelings. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it hasn't existed until now. I think the whole world hasn't thought of things holistically until now. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when it, it makes sense and we're like, how come we didn't think of this sooner when it just makes, it makes complete sense to me. Those are the best ideas when they seem simple and obvious. <laughs> yeah. So Dr. Weinheimer, how do you do, would you see other ER practices taking on similar ideas? Like, do you see this becoming something that other companies kind of adopt some of those same practices? I could see other clinics, you know, doing parts of what we do. Um, I think what Dr. Bessler said in the beginning is, is true. You know, our core is what makes us different. And then the external things are what you see. So, you know, maybe other practices can, you know, take these innovative ideas and try and apply them. But until you have your center aligned with truly being selfless and putting the patient first, and um, like you said, you know, not putting medicine first or, you know, making it truly about the client experience and how they interact with their pets while they're with us. Um, but do I think everyone should definitely, I think that for the pets everywhere, I think everyone should, you know, be looking at ways to innovate and to bring the patients to being the top priority and maybe doing your exams on the floor, you know, and every clinic can come up with their own ideas. I think that's the beauty of having an open mind is that you can always grow and evolve. And I think that you know, at day practices, they may have totally different innovative ideas for their clients and their pets because that's a totally different world. <laughs> you know, I've only worked emergency medicine since I've gotten out of school. So it's totally different in how they may innovate may be different from how we choose to innovate. But I think that there's always room to just have that open mind and really seeing, see things from the patient's eyes and how can we make it better for them so they enjoy their experience. Uh, like Bessler said, you know, if the pets are loving coming to us, then something's going right. <laughs> and so hopefully people can take ideas from this podcast and, you know, start to implement those or just to have a different perspective and hopefully be able to bring that to their pets as well. So I'd like to know one of your best days and hardest days working for Veg. And I know you haven't been there for that long. So if you can't pull from your experience at Veg, just ER medicine and in general. So, so best and hardest. So I would say that those both happen on the same day on Tuesday with veg. Anyway, I've definitely had some ups and downs in emergency medicine. Um, we were, so the first half of the, the evening started off tough. There was a parvo puppy that came to us and it was pretty critical. It was attempting outpatient treatment throughout the weekend. And then it wasn't able to get up or move or walk. Um, and we ran some, uh, basically a blood sugar test. The blood sugar was too low to read. And so we were able to get just a little bit of sugar into the vessels and uh, get some dextrose on board and try and help this little guy perk up while the owner decided whether she wanted to stay in the hospital and move forward with all those things. The dog was very, very critical. Mucous membranes were pale, not able to lift its head. Um, he'd been sick for a long time. And I was on the phone with another owner actually trying to explain 
the vomiting process, how to do induce emesis on another patient because it had eaten part of its hard bone. And we were just trying to get that up. Um, and the dog started to code. And that was my first time doing CPR with owners standing through the glass window. So that was a tough one for me. Um, it almost made, made it amplified that feeling of defeat when they decided not to move forward with the actual CPR process. It was just such a like having other people witness that was just a totally different experience for me, but I know that they appreciated what we did. Um, so that was, you know, one of those times that was a little bit harder. And then later that night we had the the cat come in with a blocked that was blocked and it took a while because it was a very tough <laughs> blockage. It was close to the end. So we had quite a ways to push it down the urethra and we finally got it unblocked. And that was just such a victory. Um, we had some really awesome team members working that night and very skilled technicians. And, you know, we were implementing all of our ideas to try and get uh, the um, catheter passed through the urethra and we finally got it and it was such a victory and just a sign of teamwork and everyone was so positive throughout the thing even though it took you know a little over an hour to get it through because it was such a tough one um we did finally get it and so i'd say that that's just kind of how your night goes in er you know there's moments where you like tear up a little because you know the loss is hard and then there's other moments where you're high-fiving because you just saved a life and that's just I guess the beauty of emergency medicine is being there when they need you and doing your best. And the downside is sometimes not all of them make it. So I just need to clarify, you were doing CPR on a pet and the family could see and the pet didn't make it. Well, they told us to stop. So they didn't want us to continue with CPR when they found out the heart had stopped. So, yeah. The, but they they could see because they were through the glass window. So, I mean, that's that's part of our experience, right? They get to be there for all of that. Um, you know, they can choose to turn and look away if they don't want to. They don't have to watch, you know. But they were they were there for that experience, and that was a new experience for me because most of the time when I'm doing CPR in my previous job, the owners are are not there for that process. So it was just a a totally it almost like left a heavier weight on me for a brief minute because that was the first time I had experienced that. Wow. So with, with such highs and lows, how do you manage those feelings? I understand that that's a part of my job and I, I don't know. So my fiance is in the military. So he, when people come and thank him for what he does, he's like, you know, that's my job. You know, if he gets deployed, like that's part of the risks that he assumes when he takes on that job. So for me, I understand that when I take on an emergency job that I'm going to see cases that are tough. And how do I deal with that? I mean, I exercise, I try to keep a good mental space. I do my meditation. I, um, but at the same time, like it still is really sad. So I also let myself be sad for that moment. And I just like, take a deep breath. I'm like, okay, guys, that one was tough. Like, you know, talk to the team. I make sure that we at least say something about it because, you know, every life that we are a part of, like it's an honor. And so to be able to be a part of that animal's life, even to some short period of time, it's still an honor. And just like to talk about it with your team, like, Hey guys, that one was tough. Is everyone doing okay? You know, like I'm going to take five and then come back and, you know, clear my head. So I think it's different for everyone. For me, it's like taking a moment to be sad and then like giving myself that permission to experience that feeling and then moving forward with the rest of the night, making sure that 
I'm in it and my head is in the right place for the rest of the patients I have to see. So, and then outside of work, you know, just staying active and keeping my friendships up and finding joy in day-to-day life um, is the best way for me to describe my happiness (laughs) inside and outside of work. (laughs) Well, that seems really important to take, like you're saying, maybe like up to five minutes just to process it and acknowledge it. I would imagine that um, you would need a, a work culture that allows for that. I mean, obviously, I've never worked in a veterinary clinic, but I, I, you know, I imagine maybe there's like a practice where that if there aren't those moments where you just have to keep going on to the next one, you don't even have a chance to think about it. And then you think about it when you get home and you're like, what just happened? I didn't, <laughs> I don't know if that's something that's common, but I think that's great that you have just time to process. Yeah, I think the main thing, too, is just communication with your team. You know, if someone needs to go on a walk or, like, take 10 minutes, then, you know, 10 minutes be it, right? Like, we need you to be present for the next patient. So if you need that time to get yourself in the right head for the next the next pet that we see, then do it. You know, if you need to go eat a snack or have a coffee or just go on a walk or, you know, cry a little, like all those things are accepted. I think you just have to be also open enough to let people experience their own feelings. I think that's a big part of it too, because everyone handles stuff differently. You know, maybe some people need to go on a jog or other people just need to cry. So you just have to be, it's a very vulnerable job, right? Because people see you in times of challenge. (laughs) Wow. Do you feel like because of that, if you're more vulnerable, you become closer with your, your team? I do. I do. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, I haven't experienced day practice as, as far as being a veterinarian, but I'm sure they have those moments too, where they've, you know, grown up a, a pet for years and then, you know, or the owners are making that choice to, um, to let them cross over the rainbow bridge, as we say in, emer- <laughs> in veterinary medicine, you know, uh, so I'm sure there's hard times with them too. So I think anytime your staff is feeling an emotional experience that, yeah, you, talk about it and let them feel it. And that's, and it does bring you closer, I believe. We're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about this episode's sponsor, Hippo Manager. Hippo Manager is a cloud-based veterinary practice management software that serves as the central nervous system for your clinic. It manages and integrates your data with your labs, pharmacy, client communication tools, and more. Hippo is easy to use and gives you flexibility so you can practice medicine your way. Perfect for mobile veterinarians, specialty practices, small animal clinics, corporate practices, and more. It's available at a one simple price, $119 per month per veterinarian. Visit hippomanager.com to sign up for a demo and free trial. Come see for yourself. Dr. Bessler, tell me what your best day and hardest day were, either just in ER medicine in general or at VEG. What, so I'll start with this. We say that at Veterinary Emergency Group, emergency is our middle name. It's all we do. And because of that, because of our focus on emergency, we are a community of emergency veterinary professionals, doctors, technicians, assistants, receptionists, all focused on just emergency. And because of that, we're a pretty tight-knit community where we, we all share this uh, similar interest that's more than just an interest, it's a way of life. And my favorite days 
are those days that I can be surrounded by um, as many members of our veg community as I can. So we'll go to conferences together at the last IVEX, the Veterinary, the Veterinary Emergency and Critical Care Conference. We had 48 of us were there, all in our matching t-shirts, traveling as a herd, being very annoying, I'm sure, to other people, <laughs> always being happy. And uh, those are my favorite days, just hanging out with them, getting to know them, uh, going out to eat together, sitting in lectures together, sitting around talking together. Those are my best days. Um, if I had to pick my favorite day, it would be one of those. And then I would say my least favorite day, maybe there's this recency bias, but um, the day that I learned that I'm not able to get together with my veggies and not able to be with them. I'm, somebody posted somewhere that like, this is not, we extroverts are not okay. We're not okay with this. This is very difficult for us. For me especially, it's just, it's hard to not be able to physically be with, with um, all of our, our great emergency veterinary professionals. That's just the hardest for me. And, uh, but that said, there are little glimmers of hope and light every day. Thanks to, I don't want to advertise too much for Zoom, but thanks to Zoom for um, being able to at least let me see their faces and for them to see mine and for us to laugh together and, and talk and meet at least face to face. Yeah. So your experiences are very people-driven and less about animals, which is interesting because the philosophy for veg is very much like animal-centered, you know, thinking of their feelings. Yeah, I think our, our we really think of more of the families rather than just pets. It's not just customers and it's not just pets. It's this sort of pet-owning family that yeah. we really aim at. And we draw that diagrammatically with like, you know, concentric circles where you have a a problem in the middle of the circle, whether it be a heart problem, a kidney problem, whatever it might be. And that problem is inside a pet and that pet is inside a person. And that's kind of the way we, the way we aim at things. Um, and so for me, what unites all those amazing people is their focus on pets and their focus on those problems that those pets have. Yeah. I think we have one unified focus, which is, you know, people with pets with problems. And for me, as part of veg, it's uh, people helping people who have pets with problems, a lot of peas in there, but, uh, and, and that's what I love. That's what unites us all. It sounds like you like alliteration and acronyms. <laughs> we are all about puns. We have our headquarters is veg quarters. We have veggies. We have, when our, when our veggies have babies, they're veggie sprouts and we get them oh one toys and blankets and all sorts of stuff like that. We have uh, a vegcabulary to know all those words. <laughs> That's really funny. Are there any vegetarians <laughs> that work there? Vegetarians are those general practice veterinarians who use veg exclusively. They, they are vegetarian. Okay. <laughs> so um, you said you have t-shirts. What do the t-shirts look like? They have some great uh, goofy slogans on them. They're more for us, I think, than for anybody else. But they say things on there like, get ER done. Join our rocket ship. We believe that veg is a rocket ship. And uh, I don't know if you know Cheryl Saunders, uh, Cheryl Saunders, Cheryl Sandberg at all. Oh, yeah. So uh, she from Facebook, and she had a great line that said, when you're offered a seat on a rocket ship, don't ask which seat, just get on. And mm -hmm. that's the way we see veg. When young companies are growing fast and have missions that matter, then careers take care of themselves. So just 
don't ask which seats, just get on. And we have some get on our rocket ship is another another one that we have. Join the Vegolution is something. We have the Vegolution uh, t-shirts. And my new favorite one is uh, Emergency the Way Dog Intended. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> rocket ship metaphor. That kind of reminds me of what you guys were saying about finding um, ways to say yes, always saying yes. So because this is a podcast that's really for Texas veterinarians, um, what can you share that's specific to veterinarians in Texas about veg? Because I know you guys are expanding. You're in New York. Um, where, where else are you guys located? Uh, New Jersey, Florida, Massachusetts. Okay. So let's talk about Texas specifically, the growth there, and what should Texas veterinarians know? Veg is part of the broader veterinary community. And we don't have any designs on the entire veterinary community. We, we are very focused. And um, I think what veterinarians in Texas should know and should understand is what veg brings to the table. We complete a really great circle in that I think general practitioners are amazing and the backbone of veterinary medicine. If our focus is on the families, then veterinarians, general practice veterinarians treat family pets. When one family pet passes on after years of treating them, that family gets another pet and then that veterinarian takes care of that pet and the relationship between that family and that pet. That's the backbone. The, the human-animal bond is tended to most closely by general practice family veterinarians day after day. I think they do an amazing job. The reason why we exist is because they have to sleep and because they can't work seven days a week. And so we're there when they're not. What we promise to our family veterinarians is that we will treat your clients and their pets the way you would and return them to your care uh, as soon as we possibly can to complete that circle. Um, there are more and more today, there are specialists and there are many specialty businesses. Uh, what's interesting to note is that Veg is the first and only company in the United States to be focused exclusively on veterinary emergency medicine. There's no other company that's focused exclusively on emergency. There are specialty companies, general practice companies, companies that do everything. Um, they also have emergency services, uh, but those specialty companies that have emergency services in them, um, I think the specialists need to know that we do the same thing. We believe strongly that there are certain conditions that need to be, are best treated by a specialist. It's not all conditions, it's many. And uh, we like maintaining really strong, close relationships with those specialists. And we work with the general practices. You know, if we say emergency is all we do is, uh, is our first thing, um, Another one of our, we call them our spikes, is that we collaborate with referring veterinarians. And so when the best thing for that family and that pet is to see a specialist, we have a relationship with those specialists to send them there. And so we're part of this ecosystem of veterinary care. Uh, and that's, that's where we fit in, in a very focused, um, specific way. That's what we want everybody to know. And I think another thing to add to that is that Veg opened its first hospital in Fort Worth on April 1st. So that's the other thing to know that we're talking about veg, but we've also brought it to Texas and hopefully we'll be, you know, building more veggies near you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's what Dr. Anna Foster, she's in the business development. That's part of her role, right? Yes. Okay. 
So April 1st, this interview is taking place on April 16th. So that means Dr. Weinheimer, you've only been with them like as of today for about two, two weeks. Um, and I know when I talked to you earlier, um, was there like a couple days where you were transitioning from your previous job while you're working this job and it's also in the midst of uh, the pandemic. Can you tell me about how you, you said you went 10 days straight of working and then you finally had like a three day weekend. How did you do that? <laughs> yes, and now I'm in the middle of another 10 days. <laughs> um, I am looking at it as an opportunity. Like I'm just feeling so blessed. Like I look at it as a, as another opportunity, you know, to make sure that I'm leaving my old practice with, um, integrity and like letting everyone know that I love them and appreciate them and fulfilling my duties of my contract, you know, too, um, making sure that I complete my 60 days while, you know, also transitioning to the veterinary emergency group. It's been an amazing process. It's, it's busy, but I love busy. I like working. Uh, I'm a very much an extrovert, as David said, you know, if I was stuck at home one day, I'd be going crazy. So it's probably better that I'm working 10 days in a row because otherwise I don't know what I'd be doing by myself. <laughs> um, to be honest, uh, I'm just looking at it as like with a grateful heart and you know, a lot of people don't have any jobs right now and I'm blessed enough to work too. So that's my attitude and everyone's so fun going, going into work, you know, at b both places. So it's nice to just interact with everyone. You know, that's pretty much my socialization. And then I come home and I sleep and then maybe do something like this, a little meeting and then head back into work. So yeah, it's all good. I'm a high functioning, busy person. I, I, I perform best when I'm busy, if that makes sense. Right. Well, that's something I find so interesting about you is when we spoke before, um, you know, because you're working at night, what you sleep sometimes from like 8 a.m. to 3 to 2 p.m. It's just not like a normal sleep schedule. And it's, you know, typically you're supposed to get like seven to eight hours, but you said you're very high functioning. Is that like, have you always been like that? That this sort of job just really is, it's perfect for how you operate? Yes, I would say yes to that question. And then I mean, there's definitely times where I'm tired, you know, I'm still human. I get tired sometimes. Um, luckily, both of my jobs, if I, if it's slow, you know, I'm allowed to nap. So <laughs> that's always a good thing too. So maybe if I sleep, you know, six hours for your example, like at home, um, you, you know, sometimes I can get a little nap in every once in a while at other places. So uh, just doing my best to take care of myself, you know, do a little workout video before going into work and <laughs> just... Yeah, I yeah, I just function at high fast paced volume. I can function off a little sleep and but I like sleep, so I just get it when I can. I also have this amazing quality, I guess you could call it, where I can pretty much just sleep anywhere. So I could fall asleep on the floor, I can fall asleep on a desk, you know. So it's easy to sneak in a nap even if it's if it's like ten to fifteen minutes, it's a good little power nap and you can get up and go. So when you're taking those naps, when there are those slow times, does that mean that like you're just taking a nap on a chair or they have at ER clinics, they have beds like how they would at a hospital when there's doctors that are take, take those shifts. So at my old job, I would just sleep on my desk like this. <laughs> I don't know if, well, obviously no one can see that, but I just sleep like with my arm up and sleep on my <laughs> desk on my arm. <laughs> and then I'll like, borrow one of the dog's blankets and just like curl up uh, and veg they have 
little hammock hooks that we can hang in a few of the exam rooms so I can sleep on the hammock for just a little bit and, you know, take turns with the other people who also may need a nap if it's not busy. That's so nice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's a game changer when you're working hours like this, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And Dr. Bessler, what about you? Um, Throughout your life, have you been working overnight shifts? Does this sort of work just meld with with how you operate on just a personal level? Yeah, I mean, the Bestlers are night owls. We like now in our our quarantine, um, our kids, I I probably can get in trouble for saying this, but our kids, like even my eight-year-old goes to bed at like midnight and we just wake up later. Uh, We've just always been night owls. And my kids, it's really funny when they were really little, we took them to the zoo and they went to the, the nocturnal animal like exhibit and one of them turns to me and said, like, are you nocturnal? <laughs> I said, I guess I am. I guess I am nocturnal. But I, I worked overnights for 13 years straight, something like that. Nobody is built for it. There, there's nobody. It's not natural. And so you really need to compensate to take care of yourself. It's an extreme lifestyle. But people live extreme lifestyles. They just take care of themselves and compensate well, and, and they get by okay. You need to learn tricks like, you know, if you're working three overnights in a row, you only have like eight hours in between each one. Um, and that includes getting home, going to sleep, waking up, showering, going back. Um, there's no time for anything but sleeping. You get home, you take a hot shower, put on your, put in your earplugs, put that, pull down your, you know, black, blackout shades and go to bed. And so you have to learn that. You have to eat well. You have to exercise. You just have to learn. Like there's just, you have to compensate. You can't just work three overnights in a row and then go about your regular life. Uh, it, you know, changes to a bit. The good news is it gets easier and easier when you have a lot of friends that are doing it with you. Mm. So Dr. Bessel, you said you have children. So how has that been like having this sort of schedule with children? So emergency, it's an extreme lifestyle, but what that means is that it's extreme in both ways. Uh, and it's a big, uh, trade off and everybody, I always warn people about that. They have to understand that. So I work, you know, three days a week, or I used to work three days a week. And, um, but I packed 42 hours into those three days. So what's nice about that is you work three overnights a week and then you get home and I call on my lawyer and accountant friends and I tell them, you know, Wednesday morning, I'm like, I'm off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I go back to work Sunday night. So I actually have a lot of time with my kids. It's just not the typical time in the typical way, but it's pretty awesome when your kids get home, especially if you have younger kids when they're not really in school to have like three weekdays to hang out with your kids, um, to go to the museum when there's nobody else there. Um, you know, to go hiking in the middle of the week when it's, you know, not packed, like that's, that's actually amazing. And so I'm really grateful for it, um, to be able to grow up spending so much time with my wife and with my kids. That's great. Yeah. Um, my sister's a nurse and she's kind of on the front lines right now. She serves as the runner, um, for the nurses that are working directly with um, wow. the COVID patients. And um, it's just cute because I'll be working and then she'll call me at like 10 in the morning, FaceTime me with my uh, baby niece. And I'm like, hey, I'm trying to work. But it, for her, it's like, I don't know, it's like a Tuesday and she's off that day because she does work the three days a week, uh, the 12 hour shift. So yeah, I, I can see the benefit of that, how she'll have like a weekday where she can do whatever she wants on that day because your entire week is three days, three shifts, you can work, you know, three shifts early and then the next, 
you know, three shifts late and kind of clear yourself a big chunk of time. And so um, our people will go on, you know, long extended vacations. We have people that will take off a month um, at a time, sometimes, you know, twice a year and go, our people like to travel a lot. And so we have, you know, we constantly getting pictures of our veggies on the top of, you know, snow topped mountains, different continents, things like that. Um, and then I think our veggies that have families take long vacations with their families over the summer um, during big breaks from school. So when I spoke with uh, doctors Foster and Bertolini, something I found very interesting was in this time of uh, social distancing, how that really affects veterinarians' interactions with clients. You know, I just thought about, oh, you know, you shake the client's hand, but they're like, you know, you also sometimes give a client a hug when they're going through something. So I'm just curious how you two feel about um, with social distancing and how you've had to express compassion and empathy in a different way where you can't have that human touch. Have you two thought about that at all? Yeah, I mean, it definitely affects us. You know, generally, when we introduce ourselves to people, a sign of professionalism is to, you know, extend your hand and, hi, I'm Dr. Weinheimer. I'm, it's so nice to meet you, you know, and it's almost awkward sometimes when you want to, like your natural gesture is to extend that hand and to show that friendly face. And um, it is harder when you're, you know, through a glass wall and waving. But I think that at the same time, our pet owners and our pets even have been super understanding that it's a way to keep them and their pets safe. And they've just been floored with the amount of compassion that we're still able to relay. We also do teletels sometimes if the if it's cold outside. So this last week in the DFW area, it was pretty chilly. So some of our owners wanted to stay in their car. So you can always use teletels, which is like a FaceTiming device, essentially, for um, veterinarians where you can let them be a part of the experience. So yes, it has affected, I guess, what we do day to day. And it is harder to show that compassion. But at the same time, I think they understand why we're doing it and the importance of it, you know, to keep everyone healthy and safe. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, since David lives in New York, it's probably a completely different environment up there too. Down here, I think there may be a little bit less fear or because it's just not as severe yet anyway. Adina, you know, I, I think that we, we've all been there where somebody can come and shake your hand and smile and do all the external things wonderfully, but you still get a sense that there isn't the warmth behind it. And I believe that people have amazing, uh, I'll clean it up, BS meters, and they can, they can tell when it's not real. And they can also tell when it is real, even if the externals are not there. So even though we can't shake their hand, and even though we can't give them a hug, I think they can sense in our voice the words that we use, uh, if we're looking through the glass, the facial expressions that we make, the gestures that we do. I think they can sense from that that core desire to be helpful. Literally, our mission is helping people and their pets when they need it most. And I think what's best about our company is how much everybody buys into that. That's their reason for being. And I think that comes through no matter whether we're able to shake a hand or hug or you know, be right in front of somebody or separated by a pane of glass, I think it comes through. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Just being a genuine, authentic person and, and whatever you're doing. Um, it's, it isn't great when it's just like empty praises. So that's definitely good to point out. Is there anything else you two would like to share in terms of veg and ER medicine? I'm, I'm just going to brag on the veg quarters for a minute. Um, <laughs> this last week, they released a video that they called Project Love Notes. And it was basically the headquarters took time out of their daily busy work schedule to go interview or ask for video submissions. I guess they didn't physically go because of the quarantining restraints, but they asked for video submissions. And it's about a 10 minute long video about people's families just appreciating them. And I know that it's like a little bit more challenging now in veterinary medicine and just to have a company that goes out of their way to show appreciation for us as veterinarians is amazing. So I just wanted to take a minute to brag on uh, the veg quarters for doing something like that. And um, I'll post it, Dina, so you can see. Yeah. It was just really nice because everyone's – my family wasn't even in the video, but it was so sweet. I just cried because there's so many people who appreciate what we do. And I think that it's just so amazing to know that not only – that there are people out there who appreciate what we're doing and all the sacrifices, uh, the late nights, everything like that, but at the same time that we work for a company that – takes time to make a video about it and then publish it and send it uh, to everyone so we can all enjoy it. And I think when we're going through these times where things are uncertain or, you know, people are, luckily veterinary medicine is deemed essential, but you know, there are a lot of owners who have unfortunately lost their jobs and things along those lines. I think it's just so amazing to have people just be appreciated for the small things and the extra work, even though we're spending a little bit, not me per se, but especially people in New York who are in the heat of the, the central of all this, you know, taking time away from their families and everything along those lines. So it's just, I've been blown away with the amount of <laughs> culture and just like selflessness that, being a veg has entailed. And I think that it's amazing. I'm super excited for it to infiltrate Texas and for us to be able to help day veterinarians, like Bessler said, complete the circle, you know, help them provide the best medicine for our little Texas pets. Yeah. Dr. Bessler, do you know how many clinics you're hoping to have in Texas? Uh, as many as can fit. I think um, the way we say it is anywhere a band might stop on tour, that's where we're going to have uh, a veg. But uh, our goal is for anybody anywhere in the United States to, when they have an emergency with their pet, to get on Google and to search for veg near me. And um, uh, Fort Worth, Dallas, probably in, around um, around a market like Dallas, we can you know easily have five or more um, veggies based on our understanding. We have 10 now in the New York, New Jersey, like metro area, um, you know, probably go up to like 15 or so, something like that. Okay. So how many in the country? I don't know, 200? Wow, it's pretty cool. Um, and is there anything else you'd like to share? I just want to share honestly how great Bethany is because we did, I'll tell, I'll tell this embarrassing moment, um, you know, we, we find our approach to people is we find what we call explosive people who are people that have a tremendous amount of potential that's been bottled up and not allowed to 
explode. And so we find these explosive people and we point them in the right direction and we light their fuses and we run away. And uh, <laughs> Beth and I, Bethany and I had this great conversation where she, she was like, I'm that explosive person. I just cannot wait to make my mark on the world. And I admitted to her, like, what makes me so happy is to be able to mentor people and to bring them and give them that opportunity. And it was so emotional for us that we like, you know, we both discovered that we're highly emotional people and we had this great crying session together on the phone, which was just so goofy and hokey. But um, we're so proud amazing. to have her. She's just such a, a natural born veggie and, and a great, great addition to our family. That's so sweet. I wish I could have heard that phone call. You it can't was spectacular. <laughs> Love a good cry. Yeah. Hey, sometimes you just need a good cry. Oh, yeah. I, I can definitely agree with what you're saying about Dr. Weinheimer. Um, when I first met you, you, like, what I think of you is, like, you're so passionate and full of life and energy and always has, you always have a smile on your face, and that sort of energy is infectious. So I could see how clients would really, um, or customers, as you two say, uh, would really like that, and also to just be, like, a coworker. So I'm also team Dr. Bethany Weinheimer. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> yeah. Big fan. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you two so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. And it sounds like we're going to get the world to know a little bit more about the veterinary emergency group and the veggies. Perfect. Okay, thank you so Tina. much. <laughs> that was doctors David Bessler and Bethany Weinheimer talking about veg and how it's revolutionizing emergency veterinary medicine. Here's what makes veg unique. When pet owners call, they speak with a veterinarian, the one they'll eventually see. Veterinarians get down to the pet's level and do exams on the floor. And they have pet owners accompany their pets throughout the whole visit. Dr. Weinheimer is working at Veg's first location in Texas, in Fort Worth. They also talked about what it's like being an ER veterinarian. They stick to an unusual sleep schedule and get to have days off on weekdays. To learn more about Veg, visit the link in our show notes. On the next episode of Veterinary Vitals, you'll hear from the only Black female practice owner in Austin, Texas. Seeing someone doing what you want to do that looks like you is tremendously, I think, affirming, you know, um, especially if you've never seen that person before. That was Dr. Hindatu Mohammed. She owns Allendale Veterinary Clinic in Austin. Tune in to hear her story of being the child of immigrant parents from Nigeria. As a person of color in the veterinary profession, her general feeling is even though you might feel out of place or othered, don't let that deter you from what you came here to do, which is to take care of people's pets. Until then, please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to Veterinary Vitals. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein from TVMA. 